Welcome to How We Saw It, the podcast where we take a topic and cast our personal experiences with it. This week we're talking about Creepshow. I am Mike, and as always, the vault of terror to my Tales from the Crypt, the EC Comics to my Comics Code, Aaron! What's happening, everybody? Hey, if you dig what we're doing, and we of course hope that you do, please leave us a review and then come over to our Facebook group and hang out. That's where you'll find all of our episode info. Well, another week down and we actually are recording. Yeah. We're on a date we made. I know. It's, it's amazing. We've 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 grown. <laughs> and now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, What's Keeping You Sane? So what kept you sane this week? Well, I uh I did like I said I was gonna do and I dove into Death Stranding. Um, I, I didn't get to play a ton. I got to play for like an hour or two. Um, but I did that, that, that first real story mission, hmm. you know, when you have to transport the body, Right. man, that was fucked up. Slow. Like I, I <laughs> set the controller down cause I knew the cutscenes were going to be like fairly long and it's not like an action heavy game. So it wasn't like all of a sudden they were going to throw me into something that I needed like quick reflexes for. So I set the mm. controller down so that I could kind of just watch the, the actual scene itself. And I mean, like Norman Reedus looks fantastic, but the fact that they brought in Lindsay Wagner and, and it looks so much like her, like it just kind of blew my mind. <laughs> um, but then that, like, I don't like, can I, can we, can I talk about it? Like, is it going to, I don't know. I feel like I can talk about right, right? Like I could say what it is. Like, it, like he's got to carry his mother's body right. to the incinerator because that's what they do with bodies. They don't bury them. They have to like immediately be incinerated so that they don't turn into like, you know, the, I don't know what those things are called yet. Um, they turn into bombs. They're kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Blow up the whole. Uh, yeah, like they make craters or whatever they call it. Um, damn, that was heavier than I was expecting. <laughs> like it was just not. I, I know you you were really enjoying it, but at no point in time were we like, "Hey, that story is is mm. really intense." Because I imagine you didn't want to spoil anything for me. Right. Um, but wow, like, like I said, I'm not far yet, so I'm sure there's more coming and everything. But holy shit, if that's the first say two hour hour and a half of the game. Uh, man, I don't even know what I'm in for. Uh, I'm really liking it though, like way more than I was expecting. Like I said, like I said when we talked about it before, like it was it was enjoyable, but I hadn't had a chance to really get into it yet. And uh, like mapping out my my whole path to get to to where you take the body, like it's it's really involved. The game is really involved if you want to be able to like safely traverse through the world. Mm it's it's pretty nuts like much much more than i was i guess planning so <laughs> i i'm kind of i'm kind of excited to 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 get more into it really um all right but that was that uh i bought the uh i bought the shout factory or scream factory is their horror set um they put out a set of the fly mm. um i pre-ordered it and uh, it came with like it's in this like really awesome box with like you know kind of like art done for the covers and everything. Um, but they sent me a poster of it too, like a big poster. So now I have this really cool fly poster. Um, nice. I know. Uh, 
the the reason I pick like I know you think like the fly like what like the like who needs a who needs a Blu-ray of a black and white movie? Um, they do actually look better though. Like they, they at least brighten them up kind of. Um, mm. but it came with like it came with the three original ones, which I only thought there were two. So there's how much I know. Um, and then it came, but it also came with the David Cronenberg one from uh like the late 80s early 90s there with jeff goldblum and gina davis and that that is like a body horror masterpiece like mm. one of the few body horror movies that i'm i'm like yeah i'm in on this one it's okay uh it's gross and it's disgusting and i just like what if it's on and i catch it like i can't turn away uh so finally having it on blu-ray with i'm sure a, a bunch of special features i haven't looked to see what it was yet that it had um I'm really kind of excited to to watch it again. It also comes with the sequel to that, which I've never seen, which I think has Eric Stoltz in it. And from all accounts that I've like read about it, it's an absolute turd. So uh, I guess that'll be fun. Yeah. Watching through that. Um, that was kind of it as far as. Uh, as far as like stuff that kept me sane, it wasn't like a super busy, you know, week as far as anything like that went. Uh, I, I'm gearing myself up for the war on Christmas. It's coming. <laughs> it's December 1st hit, and I was like, this is it. Here we go. Um, and I've already kind of seen, like, eh, they're dipping their toes in it. Like, I've, I've got, you know, like, keep a few questionable people on your social media just so you can kind of see what's going on. And um, I, I've seen people start to kind of test the waters. I think they're a little nervous yet if they want to come out full bore on the war on Christmas, but I am, I am ready because I think it is the most absurd thing that has ever been, ever been crafted. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, um, I don't even know what song it is. What's that really famous Bing Crosby fucking Christmas song. Like there's, it's all of them really. That was a right. dumb question. Like every, every fucking Christmas song. Is it Burl Ives? No, then it's Bing Crosby. Um, <laughs> uh, he says happy holidays in it. Like, and I am anxiously awaiting somebody to get bitchy. Like, you know, in my circle of people that about, you know, how, well, we can't say Merry Christmas. Got to say happy holidays. No, it's not the liberals, man. This was Bing. Um, <laughs> Bing said it. Well, song stuck in my head. Right, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're on like the front line Happy of the war on Christmas. Yes, that's it. That yes. You're on like the front line though. Like, I know you don't work with the Gen Pop anymore, but uh is it already started? Have you heard it? Is there like anything? Not really. I don't have to say it to anybody. Right. So. Like you don't have to deal with people at all anymore. Not really. Just That's like a Christmas drivers. present in and of itself. <laughs> I just deal with truck drivers. So I'm sure if I asked, they would have a opinion. Oh, God. Most lean certain way. Right. I'm kind of curious if you'll get somebody that's like, Merry Christmas, because I don't say happy holiday. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I am waiting for it. I'll just grin and nod because... Yeah, I'll believe anything to get them out of there. Yeah, exactly. Please, sir, just back back out and go. Get. I had, I had one complaining about politics, and of course it was the exact opposite of me. I was like, oh, yeah. I believe whatever will get you out of here the quickest. <laughs> I kind of wish you'd actually said that to him. 
Sir, I believe whatever it's going to take me to get out of this conversation. <laughs> I, did, I did use that today, actually. Did like, you really? With a coworker. Oh, they were, okay. They were bitching about it. They were like, what do you think about it? I was like, whatever will get me out of this conversation. <laughs> did they laugh? Yeah. See, that's yeah. the thing, though. They thought but, you were kidding. And then they tried to lecture on me on how I should be more up to date on pol- politics. Uh, the Democrats that's I, that's up. ironic about they're saying you need to be up to date. <laughs> they're tearing down civil war statues. Up to date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So the yeah, the war on Christmas, which, you know, <laughs> if I find anything fun about it over the next couple weeks, I will uh I will make sure to bring it up. But anyway, that's what kept me sane. What kept you sane? Got back into an old game that I had called Subnautica. It's a survival game where you're under the ocean mm-hmm. and you're a diver and you got to build stuff and survive that way. It's pretty fun. It has a sequel called Subnautica Below Zero. Okay, which is still an early access in there, but it's it's cool. I prefer the the original better because there's more to build. But okay. I think the sequel will have more to build when they finally finish it. Right. But yeah, it's it's fun to build things in it and kind of that. It's a very beautiful world. It's underwater world that you swim around in or build machines. Like you can build a huge submarine, which is really awesome. Right. So does it does it play like uh, like a command and conquer kind of thing or no? No, it's a first person. Oh, OK. Game. Yeah. It's more like that. Yeah, I guess when you say build stuff in game, like that's the first thing that must pop into my head. I think Minecraft, but with real graphics, kind of. Oh, I follow. And All less right. less freedom, more restriction. Like right, because you have that blueprints to build things, and you can only build certain things and that kind of stuff. Right. Huh. That might be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, and then. I had a moment of Zen today. My my inner Bob Ross kind of enjoying the natural beauty of the snow covered world for a few moments because yeah. I'm outdoors with my dog and he loves running around in the snow and so I was throwing snowballs at him and he likes to catch them or try to find <laughs> them in the snow. Yep. Yeah. And like all the all the crows were started like squawking and the birds started chirping and I was like, What the heck's got them disturbed? And I look up and there's a a red-tailed hawk just oh. flying really low. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Not big enough to take my dog away. But right, but still, you know, something. <laughs> it, was really, it was really cool to see that that moment of yeah. nature when you remember, oh, yeah, there is some beautiful stuff in this shitty area yeah. and the shitty weather. The <laughs> trick is stuff. finding the stuff when you're by yourself. Yeah. Like when there's yeah. no one else around to fuck it up for you. Exactly. Just that moment of zen. <laughs> And then there's this, there's this, yeah, <laughs> there's this one spot on my drive to work um, where it only happens like in the morning. It doesn't work on the way out or the way back in at night. But like the way the snow hangs on the trees mm. has this sort of like ominous overhang on the road. And I've <laughs> always really liked it. Like it's kind of comforting in a weird way. Like it almost feels like you're in a tunnel, but you're not really in a tunnel. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, nature, kind of the the topic of the first episode we're going to talk about, and the show. 
we're going to be yeah. discussing. So take us away, Aaron. All right. Uh, let's see. Creep Show TV show. Uh, it's av- it's uh, available on the Shutter Network. It's a streaming service, um, which I know sucks because not everybody wants to pay money for another fucking streaming service. And <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. There's a ton. Um, but I think, don't hold me to this, that for a while there, they were running a 30-day free trial. Uh, and you can watch a lot of shit in 30 days. Yeah. Um, and this is only, let's see, let me run my notes. This is only Creepshow with six episodes. So at an hour apiece, you're looking at like a half day worth of binge. Mm. Which, which you know, it's not so bad. Um, obviously, it's, 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 you know, based on the... The, the movies and the the, the kind of uh, tales from the crypty EC pulp comic stuff. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, Greg Nicotero, you might know him from The Walking Dead. He had a big hand in the show. Uh, the effects, I'm I'm going to say they were all they seemed all fairly practical to me, unless they absolutely couldn't have been. Like you know, like the, the obvious stuff where you know you're like no, that's that's not. That's not a real thing, but for the most part, everything is done very, uh, au naturel. (laughs) Um, all right. So episode one and what I do, what I did here when I watched it back, um, which was really fun by the way, to, to, to watch back these episodes because I haven't watched them since I watched them originally. And granted it's only been like, uh, you know, a little while ago, it's kind of, you know, how do you, how can I possibly be nostalgic about a concept like a little while ago? Um, it was, <laughs> it was just kind of fun to, uh, like once you've seen them the first time, then you can kind of watch other stuff. Like I can watch like, you know, for different things in the scene, as opposed to like what's going on with the story. Cause I always saw, I already saw the damn story. Um, they, they snuck in a lot of little like Easter eggy type stuff. And I tried to write down shit when I saw it. Um, so hang on let me there we go something popped on my computer this is being an amazing pain in the ass sorry everybody all right <laughs> uh yeah okay so episode one which actually opens with uh the crate from the original movie like it's just kind of you know sitting there with some ominous light on it and then the creep who is the host of the show uh you would know him from the movies as kind of like the the skeletal headed guy with the hood and he kind of looks grim reapery but he's not he's the creep um <laughs> he kind of in, intros the shows uh in much the same way that you would say that the crypt keeper does but he doesn't talk so hmm. it, it's basically just a lot of like you know he's doing things with another character on screen and there's not a lot of speaking going on, if any at all, but he tends to make sounds like, you know, it's, it's this odd kind of like, he's very puppety looking and his mouth kind of opens. Like he, it's very obviously like meant to look like an, like a, you know, like a practical effect, kind of like the Crypt Keeper did. And I did see a lot of people, you know, when reading through like, you know, reviews of it and stuff like that, uh, there was a lot of people that complained at how kind of cheap he looked or like how the show kind of felt cheap. Um, mm. It's it's supposed to look campy to a certain extent. Like if you've seen the original movies, you understand that camp is a huge part of it. Um, it's supposed to have that kind of 50s, 60s pulp kind of 
vibe to it. Tales from the Crypt was very pulp. And the Crypt Keeper, when you look back on it, was like, he may have looked great at the time, but looking back, he is not the height of technology. Like, there's, there's, there's a certain amount of like, just shut the fuck up and go with it that you have to, that you kind of have to do for stuff like that. All right. But anyway, that being said, uh, so it opens with the crate. And then your first story is Grey Matter, which is a story by Stephen King. Uh, and I didn't want to go and do like full recaps on the episode because it just felt like if somebody was going to go watch it, why would they do it after I literally told them everything <laughs> that fucking happened? Um, so I tried to do a tagline or what I what I could come up with as a tagline for each show. Uh, so Grey Matter, story by Stephen King. A man turns to the bottle and then turns into something else. And a son shows his devotion to his dad. Right? That works? Yeah. Yeah. All right. It stars Adrian Barbeau, who was in the original Creep Show. Uh, Tobin Bell, who you would know from the Saw films. Or not. No, not. Yeah. Saw. Yeah. Uh, and Giancarlo Esposito, who I mentioned when we talked about Creep Show on an earlier episode. Uh, and I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> I could not remember his name for the life of me. So, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, I am sorry for forgetting your name the first time. You would know him from uh, Breaking Bad, probably. Um, it's got a nod to Cujo on the bulletin board as they're going into the, the building in the beginning. And I noted that he drinks, the father drinks Harrow's Superior. That's his beer of choice. All right, so what did you think what did you think of this this first vignette? Well, personally, I understood why they went with it, but I thought mm -hmm. it, was, it was more of a weaker storyline. Yeah. It was it was too, I don't know, I want to say predictable, but it was too safe, you know. Right. It it, it was basically the same story as the one that was in the movie with Stephen King. It was and it was yeah just the more yeah a little more a little more involved yeah yeah it felt so, yeah. to me like when i was watching it back i ran into jen out and she was out in the kitchen i ran out to her and i was like hey jen i think gray batter is like a weird euphemism for depression like because the kid says to him like you know the, the the mother dies and the kid says to him like you know uh that his dad like you know He's sad, but he tell, his dad tells him that, you know, man doesn't cry. Mm. So instead of crying and grieving over the death of his wife, he turns to the bottle. Right. right? And just keeps drinking and drinking and drinking. And his son says, like, hey, dad, um, what? Can you stop? And <laughs> dad says, I'll, you know, I could quit. I'll quit. I promise I'll quit. And he just drinks and drinks and drinks and drinks and drinks. And then, you know, he turns into what he turns into because of it. Like, it felt just felt like this weird kind of like uh way of saying like if you if you let what's bothering you bother you too much it'll turn you into a monster sometimes hmm. did it have like it was weird about like you know it like, essentially saying that like his alcohol addiction turned him into like a, a beast basically like it was kind of heavy on tackling addiction and stuff like that i wonder if stephen king did that because of his own stuff right and they changed it up just enough so it wouldn't be just the yeah. Instead of it being cocaine, it was alcohol. Which I mean, no, I mean the, the same as the episode in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. 
they added one little thing that that made it different, basically. All right, so that was the like the, each episode is two vignettes, so it's like a forty minute episode or so. So you say like twenty some odd minutes a piece, sometimes a little less. Uh, the second vignette on this episode is actually my my favorite vignette in the whole show. Um, it's called "The House of the Head." It stars Kaylee Fleming, Rachel Hendricks, and David Shea. And uh, there were no little weird Easter eggs in this one that I saw. I would have to go back and watch it again, but I didn't pick up on anything. Um, I felt like there was a bit of a nod to Poltergeist when she mm -hmm. was bringing the dolls in. Right. That felt kind of like Poltergeisty to me. Um, but my tagline for this one is a little girl becomes obsessed with her dollhouse and the family being terrorized in it. Hmm. Like that, yeah. Yeah, it kind of works, right? Uh, so this is about exactly that. A little girl has a dollhouse, and the family that lives in the dollhouse is the Smith Smiths. Uh, it's just I, there's no reason for this. It's just kind of what they probably something goofy, you know, like whatever. A little bit of levity in the episode, and she notices that you know she puts her, she's got her family in the in the dollhouse, and when she closes it up and then goes back to opening it, they're not in the same spot. They're in like you know they're like almost like they're frozen they were going about their day and now they're frozen and this weird zombie head keeps kind of teleporting around the house and terrorizing these people like it kills does it kill the dog i don't I remember so. that one i know it locks the dog out i can't remember if it kills the dog but um, it must um and the girl girl gets like nervous right she's trying to help him out she understands that there's something bad going on so she goes and buys like a police officer doll puts the cop in there and then she goes back in and like the cop is upstairs investigating now meanwhile her parents are like what the fuck is going <laughs> on with this kid um as they're trying to get her to do like you know normal kid type stuff with the family and she's just like yeah i gotta get back upstairs um and she goes back up and like the the the, the, the cop's head's missing like there's just blood and there's just no head and then she brings a uh she goes looking for a this was my only kind of like, all right, maybe maybe this wasn't, you know, the best choice of how to do it in, in 2019. But she goes to get she wants like a priest or a rabbi. And there is no priest or rabbi doll as far the guy that owns the, the doll shop says. Uh, but he he's like, I do have some Native American dolls in the back and they're much more spiritual probably than, than a, you know, and I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, <laughs> not everybody's a fucking medicine man. You know? <laughs> So she anyway, she puts the doll in there and like that was my nod. That was what I thought was maybe a nod to the exorcist because mm -hmm. there is a character in the second one that felt kind of similar. Um, so that doll dies, too. Uh, and then I don't I'm not going to spoil the ending for anybody, but like, you know, shit unravels and it gets all kinds of fucking wonky. Um, but here's what I have to ask you, though. Did you feel like at the very end of that episode, like how it kind of resolved itself at the end of the episode, did you feel like maybe the little girl was evil as fuck? Yeah, it kind of came off that way. Right? Okay, <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't just me because I was watching it back and the first time I did not pick up on that. But the second time I was like, wait a minute, who'd she <laughs> give that shit to? She knows it's haunted. Like every, she just killed everybody. <laughs> like she just killed everybody that's in the building that she gave that to it was horrid and i couldn't i was like there that has to be on purpose like is it an insinuation that something changed in her or 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, that's actually my favorite vignette. I just, I loved. Hmm. It just, it felt so like, I don't know. It was, it shouldn't have been tense, but it was tense. Like there were moments where I was like, what's going to happen when she opens up that dollhouse? Like I was getting concerned about fake people. Alright. <laughs> um all right, so that was the first episode, and we move on to episode two. Obviously, everyone knows how to count, Aaron. Uh <laughs> the first episode, uh first vignette was called Bad Wolf Down. It stars Jeffrey Combs, who you would know from uh the reanimator movies and probably a ton of other stiff stuff I'm just not thinking of. Uh Kate Freund, who I couldn't find anything um that I would un- like readily thinks people knew. Um, David McDonald and Callan Wilson. Uh, my tagline for this one was the Nazis get more than they bargained for when they confront these howling commandos. <laughs> and I, and I have to pat myself on the back. Cause I was, I giggled when I wrote that one. I was like, this is really fucking good. Um, uh, so obviously I don't probably need to explain to anybody what this is about. It's a werewolf episode and what goes better with werewolves than fucking nazis nazis and werewolves go together like i don't even know how like can you think of a better horror pairing really in that in terms of like you know creature features than like werewolves and nazis right nazis and zombies too god i don't know is it just nazis like they're the ultimate evil like it's almost like you're just putting like a neat little polish on them and being like look they're shiny and evil like, because they're never the good guys. At no point in time are you ever going to put them in a movie. Uh, well, at no point in time should you ever put them in a movie as the fucking heroes. Um, so it's just kind of great when they get ripped to shreds by stuff. So, I mean, that was kind of what made the episode feel really satisfying for me. There, At no point in time did I think something other than what happened was going to happen. <laughs> like, they, they, they ham-fisted this. This was, like, so obviously what it was going to be. Um, and it still managed to be fun. Like Jeffrey Combs is like the fucking king over actor. Like that dude is just like, you throw a character on him and he's just so much fun to watch. Um, and I say this as not being a big fan of the reanimator movies. Um, he was fucking great in this. And I personally really appreciated how they did the wolf transitions that they showed the people with like the teeth in their mouth and that they were going to change. And then via the, the comic book pages and panels, they showed you via drawing the person change. And then it would go back to the, the show itself. Like it would go back to the actor and they would be fully transformed into a werewolf. And it was really fucking cool. Like werewolf transitions in movies rarely look good. Like, I don't think I've ever seen one that I was like, that was some shit. Wasn't it? Like, there's always they're always like they start off really good and i know everybody's like oh what about an american werewolf in london i don't like that movie like i don't like i don't like anything about that movie i don't like the fucking transitions i don't like any of that shit it just doesn't work for me and everything else is like too cgi and stupid like this was like this was one of those things where they were like we can't pay to make this look as good as it needs to look so we're just gonna draw it and it worked because it's a fucking comic book show like it's you know like it just it, it went really, really, really well together. What did you think of this one? I know this was a lot of people. Uh, this is where I originally started seeing people complain that, like, well, this wasn't as good as the first. Like, I think it was. I think if it was paired with Grey Matter, I wouldn't have continued because it was just like, ugh. but okay. I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it 
as an opening. Yeah. And I think it worked good where they placed it. Yeah. Like you said, it was a fun romp. And yeah, which is supposed to be goofy. <laughs> but I agree with you. If they had put it with, with gray matter, it would have been a bad... That would have been bad. Hmm. Like, I just don't think those two would have lent themselves well to each other. Um, I, I, I like it. I, I won't say it's my favorite vignette, but uh, I had fun with it. So the next episode, uh, or the next vignette, rather, on this is uh, The Finger, starring uh, DJ Qualls, who you would probably know from uh, Road Trip. Was that the one he was in? That's the one I always know him from. New Guy. Um, oh, yeah, the new guy. That's right. He was in that, too. And what was the name of his hunter on Supernatural, Becky? Uh, oh, that's right. The, the guy I like, Gary or... Gregor. Oh, it's um, Garth. Garth. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. He was on Supernatural. I totally forgot about that. Uh, and Antoine Mills plays the detective. He didn't have anything on his resume that I was like, yep. Uh, so the tagline for this one is, you'll never have a friend quite like Bob. <laughs> uh, and it's about a guy who, uh, would you call him a junk collector, Mike? In the beginning, it seems like he just kind of walks around and, like, collects shit. Like, he just picks up, like, a clock off the fucking ground or whatever. Well, he finds a finger. Not a human finger, like a creature finger. Uh, And he takes it home. And he's looking at it. And he's got a drink in his hand. He sets drink down. He knocks drink over. And some some beer. Some some, uh, Harrow's Light, to be specific. So, another reference to Harrow's. spills on the finger and it actually so the finger soaks it up so he takes the finger which i don't know why you would take it at that point nothing is supposed to soak stuff up that face that fast unless it's a sponge or a paper towel um or some kind of like cleaning instrument uh not a fucking finger for sure uh all right but anyway so he takes this weird not human fucking severed finger and he puts it in a butter dish and he caps the top of it and he puts it in his fridge. And when he wakes up the next morning, that shit ain't there no more. Um, because creep show. Uh, and it, eventually it ends up kind of continuing to, to grow. And it turns into this like weird alien thing. I don't even know what you would call it. Like He calls it Bob. Uh, Bob, you find out, loves, uh, is it soap operas? He loves soap operas, I think. No, no, it's the father in Grey Matter that watches soap operas. I don't remember what it is, but Bob watches something and eats popcorn. Now, Bob doesn't speak, so when he looks at DJ Qualls' character to say something, he's always like, ah! Like, he makes this, like, weird kind of nah! noise. Um, well, when DJ Qualls gets mad at people in real life, which you'll you'll see over the course of the vignette happens quite often, because, you know, he's a bit of a down-on-his-luck sort of dude, Bob takes it upon himself to basically like kind of kill them for him. Like he's, he makes some comment about uh, uh, wishing the woman that calls on the other end of the phone as a debt collector would, uh, would just fucking die. And he slams the phone down and Bob's like, Oh, he's I'm not mad at you, Bob. And Bob's like, nah. And then Bob fucking disappears for like a day or so. And he comes back with the tongue. And it's a tongue of the woman that, you know, 
was on the other end of the phone call. We don't know how Bob knows these things. He just knows because he's Bob. Um, <laughs> DJ Qualls gets into an argument with the dude driving a big pickup truck uh, with a pair of truck nuts on it. Um, you know, I love truck nuts. That, uh, he Bob goes and brings the truck nuts back to DJ Qualls, but he also brings the guy's balls back. Um <laughs> uh, so like over the course of the episode he's bringing more and more shit back and DJ Qualls is like I can't throw it out because he tried throwing out something in the beginning and Bob just went and got it and brought it back um, he says to Bob like if I throw this in the ocean you're going to bring it back to me aren't you and Bob like nods his head and he's like Meh, you know so he uh, he has to like shove this stuff down the fucking um, down the garbage disposal, right? So he's trying to fit bigger and bigger things down the garbage disposal, all while the cops are questioning him because one of the things Bob killed was his fucking ex-wife. Um, and and shit just shit, shit just goes awry for poor DJ Qualls. Like, <laughs> he ends up in the he ends up in the fucking he ends up in prison or or a, a, an asylum of some kind, I think. And uh, he's like, Bob will come for me one of these days. And then you hear Bob like outside, like eh, you know, so like Bob's coming. Um, what did you think of that one? I love that episode. That's a good fucking episode, isn't it? I love that. <laughs> just think of, think of Bob a... as a less cute baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of correct. Like a much more dangerous, much less cute, but in a in a different way. There's a certain cuteness to Bob. Like <laughs> the ones if I if I realized Bob wasn't gonna fucking kill me, I would think it was kind of cute for a little while. Like you know, there'd be that immediate moment of like ah. <laughs> but you get over it once he doesn't doesn't kill you. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. I was not positive about it at first because it's very very goofy, like it's meant to be comedic, um, and I think I just wasn't expecting it mm. to be that funny. Um, but no, I love it. I loved it so much, especially the second time watching it through. Um, okay, so episode three. Uh, now, like I said, the creep introduces the episodes sort of, and there was absolutely nothing interesting that he did in the second one. Um, I think he went to like a, like a fortune teller or something like that. And she was like staring at him all concerned. And like, he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, and that's it. So, uh, episode three, the creep is watching night of the living dead, which I thought was a really cool nod to George Romero, who was, you know. Uh, a key component in creating the movies. So that was a really good nod to him. Uh, the first vignette in episode three is called All Hallows Eve. Uh, it stars Connor Christie and Madison Thompson. And my tagline for this one was, you're never too old to trick or treat or too dead. Um, and they got, they got progressively harder to do from this point on. So they're not my best work. I really kind of, I really kind of, uh, I kind of blew my stack on those first couple funny ones. And then I had nothing else after that. But uh, it's about kids that go around to this uh, one specific area of a town and uh, essentially like demand stuff from these adults. Like they all meet up in a group and they go to this one house and they're like, well, what do you got? And he's like, oh, I got these lollipops. And the guys are like suckers. Really? And they get all mad. And they're like, how about you make us some fucking muffins or something? Like they start demanding like weird shit. Like, give me this, give me that. You got ham sandwiches or some shit. Um, and you realize like 
kind of by the way that the people are reacting to these these kids that they're they're probably they're probably absolutely ghosts um and there's probably some kind of horrible backstory and there is there is these 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 kids were uh from what i gathered and and you can tell me if i'm if i read it wrong these kids were uh, a group of friends that hung out uh they were probably considered uh dorks right they were probably considered like D dorks and stuff like that but they's hanging out in a in a treehouse and the the bullies the local bullies and assholes jokingly kind of board them up inside so they can't get down out of the treehouse uh and then they start a fire which gets out of control and they the kids end up dying um and their revenge basically is that they're gonna like they're just gonna they're gonna terrorize them until what was the, I got that's the part I guess maybe that I didn't what was the what was the cutoff what did they need what was the they needed to kill the last bully yeah. that was it okay once they get their vengeance they no longer have to come out on Halloween and they can rest in peace finally um, I won't say this is my favorite vignette. Um, it was a bit on the melodramatic side for me yeah, at times. It was, good, you know, it was, yeah. it was trying to be clever and it just wasn't working. Yeah. It felt, it felt kind of like it a had... goosebumps or uh scary stories to tell in the dark or the Nickelodeon. It did. Thing. Yeah. It had like a real kitty vibe to it. I mean, and I'm even comparing it to like trick or treat, which has essentially a similar vignette in it. And manages to not feel quite so, yeah, youthful, like you said. Um, all right, so we're both in agreement on that one, then, that it definitely wasn't our favorite. Uh, the Man in the Suitcase, uh, which is starring Ravi Naidu. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, and I apologize. Uh, Will Kindrachuk and Madison Bailey. Uh, the tagline for this one was like the only thing I come up with: "Greed hurts." Hmm. It's not great. Like it's not great, but when you watch it, you'd be like, "Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it." Um, it's about a guy who finds another guy in a fucking suitcase, and yeah, I know. Let that. All right, let it process. Let it process. Uh, he's alive in the suitcase too. Let it process. <laughs> and. He asks the guy, can you please help me out, right? And the guy's like, what the fuck? Like, obviously, you know, uh, big stoner dude, right? Like the dude that uh, that isn't in the suitcase. Uh, he says to him, hey, 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 hey man, you know, grab my foot here and pull and help me out. He pulls and the guy screams, ah, a horrible pain. And then he spits out a gold coin. The guy takes the gold coin. He goes to a pawn, uh, goes to a pawn shop. Uh, pawn, the pawn shop owner was played by Big Boy from Outcast. Um, he says that it's worth like, I don't know, like $275 or whatever. So the stoner guy tells it to his, goes and tells his friend who's immediately a fucking scumbag. Like just, just not, a, not like I, you don't like him immediately. Like this guy's going to fuck the other guy over. Um, and so as they're, when they're coming back to show, he's going to show him the dude in the suitcase. Uh, the guy's, the stoner guy's girlfriend is coming out of the apartment. She's like, oh, you're fucking disgusting. Because she's found the suitcase with a hand sticking out of it. Little does she know, dude's alive. Um, in, a, in a suitcase. Uh, 
the girlfriend is also a scumbag. Immediately, you're like, she's going to screw them both over. Like, um, and so they 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 show the you know he shows them the the, the guy in the suitcase, and they they see that if you know, she goes to help the guy out, and she she fucking cranks on his leg, and he yells, and he spits out a bunch of coins, and then they see dollar signs. And the stoner guy's like, all right, for 48 hours, we're basically going to torture and beat the piss out of this guy in the suitcase and get all the money. And the guy in the suitcase is like, oh, please, no, don't. I'm so tired. I'm so sore. I'm so... Uh. Um, but they just keep going, man. And I'm talking like they're hooking him to a car battery. They're like beating him with baseball bats. Like, it's rough for 48 hours. And then the 48 hours comes up. Uh, and the stoner guy's like, all right, let's be done with this, or I'm calling the cops, which, what, how? How? What are you going to tell them? There's a dude in a suitcase in my room. All right, they're going to shoot you probably coming right through the door on that one. Um, but he's alive, right? Like, what are you even going to tell the cops? Um, they And and so the, the girl's like, the fuck you are? And she crack and cracks him on the skull, and you figure he's dead. Um, and then... They're like, all right, let's uh, let's get one last fucking hurrah out of this guy, and they 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 got him hooked up to some electricity, and they cranked the shit out of it, and he's like, ah, and then he turns into a big old fucking genie, right? Like this big. This is not a practical effect. That was absolutely a CGI genie, um, and then you realize that by like the more they were hurting him, the stronger they were making him. So finally he breaks free and then he he's now he's free. Like the body is free. Uh, but now they are two people stuck in suitcases. So it was like a pretty fun twist, I thought. But what did you think of the episode or the, or the vignette rather? It's good, right? It was better on the second viewing. I don't know why there's no, like I didn't dislike it the first time around. Um, but it, it was like, I think it was more fun the second time. And I enjoyed the comeuppance. Like, it felt like, you know. And then that one little final twist at the end that I won't say because I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. But, um, All right. So that was episode three. All right. Episode four. Uh, the thing I noted on, on bleh, noticed on this one is that the creep in the beginning when they do the lead-ins, he's animated here uh, in much the same way as uh, the, the creep show, uh, was it two? I want to say did did some animated stuff. It was so it's along that lines. Uh, the first vignette is called The Companion, starring Logan Allen and I am absolutely gonna fuck this up. Afimo Omalami and Carrie Jones. My tagline: This creation would do anything for love, even that. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh God, I don't even know really how to go about describing this episode uh it's about a guy whose wife passes away and he's very lonely so he makes essentially like i mean he makes a scarecrow but he doesn't put it up on a pole he has it sitting on the porch next to him as a companion like just so that it feels like there's somebody else there um but he's he kind of pieced it together from stuff around the around the farm that he owns the final piece being this uh this fabric heart that his wife had made him for Valentine's day. And he gave it a heart and it comes to life. Uh, and it, it, uh, it's very protective. 
I guess you could say would be a good way of putting it. Um, and uh, he ends up having to nail it to the to a to a scarecrow pole. And he sticks a stake through the heart and essentially like freezes it in place. Now, this whole backstory here was told to you because a kid is running from his dickhead brother uh, who is going to beat his ass and they run through this farm and the kid don't even ask. I can ask why he fucking did this. No, wait. He pulls the stake, right? So it comes back to life. And then it, yeah, because he's like, but why did he pull the stake? I don't remember. Oh, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right. So he pulls the stake and the thing comes back to life. The kid holes up in the house and the thing busts in. The kid falls through the floor. Uh, and then you find that the guy that made the the companion, uh, because the thing was so psychotic and obsessed with him, uh, he knew that the only way to really stop it completely was it to nail it like he did, and then he committed suicide. Uh, so the kid figures out what the deal is with the thing, and it ends with, I won't tell you how it ends. I won't, I won't say how it ends. It's It's got a clever ending. I thought it was okay. What did you think of the vignette? It's not one of my favorites, but I thought it was okay. I enjoyed the, uh, I enjoyed the backstory sections of it much more than the current sections. I felt like it should have just been the backstory. Like, I don't feel like you really needed the, the other part of it. Um, all right, vignette two. Lydia Lane's Better Half. Starring Trisha Helfer. This, I'm going to fuck this up too. Michael Shilaba and Danielle Lynn. And, uh, and the tagline for this one, love in an elevator. Uh, this is absolutely not a new story. This is like the telltale heart, pretty much. Um, a uh, very powerful businesswoman. Uh, is sitting with two employees, uh, a man and a woman. She's in a relationship with the woman. She gives the promotion to the man, and her girlfriend gets really mad about it. And they scuffle a little bit. And uh, th this to me felt like the most like kind of like how the fuck did this even happen scenario. The girl, the girl stumbles backwards while they're struggling. She trips over the couch, which is really low. Uh, by by my way of thinking, like oh, almost too low. How do you even sit on it? Um, she trips over it and she hits her head, or what you assume is she hits her head on the glass table. Uh, but what actually happens is is she falls and impales her head on an award that was on the table. Like it's like one of those like how, like honestly, how did this even happen? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. So the, the, the woman is like, oh, fuck. Now I got to hide this fucking body. Um, and since, you know, high power business execs know so much about hiding bodies, she wheels the fucking thing out in an office chair into the elevator. I'm still not sure what exactly she planned on doing. Um, but she, they, she had made sure to tell somebody to bring the woman's Tesla around front. So you're going to put her in her car but she's got like a glass thing sticking out of her skull. 
So I don't know how any of this is going to work, but whatever. Uh, so she's in the elevator and that shit gets stuck. Uh, I, I don't, is it, was it a, was there an earthquake or some kind of the earthquake? Yeah. Um, it gets stuck in the elevator. Uh, the body is starting like much like the telltale heart. The body is starting to taunt her and she's getting wrapped up in her own grief over what's happened and her paranoia and all this other shit. How is she going to get out of it? Um, and you know, they eventually get her out, but the body, the body killed her or did it. Like it was kind of like a weird twist ending. And it's not like, like I said, it's not something I hadn't seen before. Um, I don't think this episode, I don't think this vignette gets good until they're in the elevator. Like, I think the rest of it is kind of like just as is set up, obviously like you need it, but I, it's boring. Um, what did you think of this one? Like you said, yeah, it was basically the telltale heart. Yeah. Which is cool. I don't mind people taking, you know, taking cues from Poe. Uh, but it, like, I knew how the story was going to turn out, kind of. Okay. So, episode five, which I wrote down that there's much more of a Tales from the Crypt vibe to the opening now. And there was. It was very Tales from the Crypty. Um, the first vignette of episode five is Night of the Paw. And if you're any kind of like uh, horror reader, short stories, anything like that, you probably know where this one is going to go right from the right from the fucking right from the fucking name. Uh, it's a rip on the monkey's paw. Obviously, it's like a little, new little spin on the monkey's paw. Uh, it stars Bruce Davison, Hannah Barefoot, and Susanna Devereaux. And my horror, or my my uh, my tagline was a classic tale of wishes and the horrors they bring. So it's the monkey's paw. Everybody knows what the monkey's paw is. Uh, except that this one kind of feels like it had a little bit of a vibe like the ring, like where they had to pa he wanted to pass the damn thing on. Um, Bruce Davison owns a funeral parlor. He gets a woman to he he, get, he makes a wish to have someone come and and kind of uh, basically kill him and end the suffering because he's lost his wife. He's lost so much from this fucking paw. Um, so, uh, there's an accident and a woman, a woman is at a, at a really bad car accident. He brings her in and he kind of surgically fixes her up. Uh, and then when she wakes up, he proceeds to tell her this tale of the monkey's paw and why she needs to kill him. Like he wants her to kill him. Um, and she's like, what are you out of your fucking mind? Like, no. Uh, so he tells her this whole story and it's terrible and it's horrible. And, uh, eventually like he he she she's like all right fine i'll fucking do it right so she takes the paw and uh she throws it into the fire <laughs> and uh he's like no what are you doing and he runs over and he goes to grab the paw out of the fire and he starts catching on fire and he's screaming at her like help me help me help me and uh and she shoots him and then and then kills him the way the way that he wanted to do but i'm guessing that he probably would have rather avoided the the catching fire part. Um, so anyway, so here's the part that again falls under that. Why the fuck would you even do this kind of situation? And so the woman takes the paw. Now, the first thing she wishes for is to find the keys to the hearse, which as soon as she wishes, they drop down from the visor. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but didn't he tell her that's where they were? 
I thought so too. I was like, wait a minute, you idiot. Like you wasted a wish. And then she puts the keys in the ignition. She goes to turn a car. Won't turn over classic fucking horror. Um, wishes for the car to start it does and another finger curls up so now there's one finger left now after this man has told her about the horrible situation that happened when he wished his own wife back from the dead she goes to the hospital where she in a mercy killing had shot her boyfriend fiance husband something in the face to kill him because he was very sick i'm assuming he probably had cancer or something like that she goes into the morgue in the hospital with all the bodies laid out. And she goes to her, her, her man's, man's, uh, her body, that body there and goes, uh, just come back. That's what she says. Not like I wish for Bob to come back or whatever. Just, just come back. Uh, and nothing happens right away. And then the lights flicker and it come on and everybody in the room is fucking sitting up. Right. And then they flicker again. And then he's sitting. Why would you do that? Why the hell would you even do that? Like it was the it was one of those. I was like, you deserve to die just for being that dumb. You spent an entire night with a dude that just told you nothing but the horrible stuff that happened because he they used this thing, and you're just like, I'm gonna go back and kind of wish something general that needed to be specific. Like so now there's like basically fifteen zombies in the world. So thanks a lot, Patient Zero. You're an asshole. Um. <laughs> What did you think of this one? It wasn't your vibe. Well, and it's not like you didn't know what was going to happen. Like kind of a tale as old as time, so to speak. Um, all right. The next one, the next vignette. Times is tough in Musky Holler. Starring Dane Rhodes, Karen Strassman, and former WCW world heavyweight champion, David Arquette. <laughs> uh, and with that nod, I want to remind everybody that we are getting close to wrestling season again. Um, <laughs> uh, my, uh, my, my tagline for this one, small town politics eats people alive. Yeah. 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 All right. So this is a, uh, like, it's exactly that. Like there's this, it opens with a cell full of small town politics, assholes, a corrupt mayor, a cop. Everybody in between, a busybody from the fucking hair salon. Like, basically, like, if you took a small town and you said, if there were 10 assholes in this small town, what would they look like? And who would they be? And that's what we have in this cell. And they basically, like, they've been taken and arrested. And everybody's like, y'all a bunch of corrupt assholes. And now it's time to pay. Uh, and they're like, oh, no, 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 this is ridiculous. You know, we don't, they're, they're trying to talk their way out of it. And David Arquette is, is visibly trying to get this guy to shoot him and kill him before they, they're, they're strapping everybody into these chairs and chaining them in. And you can see that the, the, the chairs are on a mechanism that's going to lift up into the air. And David Arquette is like, just fucking kill me. Like he doesn't even want to, he doesn't want to go up. Uh, and the kid's like, no way, man, I'm not doing it. Um, so they sit everybody down and they load everybody up. And uh, basically it comes up and it looks like uh, like a pin set from bowling. So immediately when I first saw this, I was like, oh, shit. Right. Like, what are they going to do? Um, and uh, the voice comes over the loudspeaker saying everybody, uh, you know, these guys are a bunch of corrupt assholes. And now they're going to pay their pay their fucking pay their penance, so to speak. Uh, what I neglected to mention earlier was that while this corrupt dude was his, was mayor and all of his cronies were doing what cronies do, uh, a zombie outbreak broke out. 
that's kind of key information. And I apologize for leaving that piece of sh- that fucking piece of information out. Um, so they bring them up, their heads are sticking out and everything's getting filmed. And all of a sudden they say, and here we go. And zombies start coming up to all these people. And just like, like you, they're basically betting on whose head is going to get gnawed first. Um, and everybody gets their, gets their just desserts, so to speak. Um, what did you think of this one? It was kind of forgettable. Yeah. I felt kind of the same way about it. Uh, I like that David Arquette was in it. Um, he always kind of makes me laugh. Uh, and I think that, I think he's, he lends well to horror. He's a good, he's a good character, horror actor kind of, um, it was just, I, I don't know. Like it didn't like the concept was cool. I think if it had been anything other than zombies, I probably would have liked it more. Hmm. It was just like, oh, it's zombies? All right. Like, I honestly, like, if you're going to set them up like bowling, like, I don't know, roll a fucking steamroller over them or something like that. Like, make it a, make it a fucking game. Um, but anyway, like, it, it wasn't my favorite. Uh, so, now we move on to episode six. The final episode of the season. Uh, it did get renewed for second season, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the creep is a puppet again in this intro, but he's also animated in different spots. So they mixed them up both on this one. Um, the name of the episode is Skin Crawlers. It stars Melissa St. Armand, Chad Michael Collins, and Dana motherfucking Gould. Uh, he uh, he plays the, the, the lead on this episode, which I think is kind of cool because Dana Gould is funny. Um, Speaking of Dana Gould, if anybody is interested, you should go see, or you should not go see, you should watch Stand Against Evil, which is a show that he did on IFC, which is fucking phenomenal. Mm. Um, all right, so it's basically about, uh, yeah, my tagline says it, these fad diets are really killer. Um, and that's what it is. It's about a fad diet where they take these uh, these leeches that this guy found in the Amazon or eels or the eels are leeches it's leeches right yeah like a weird kind of yeah and they 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 let the leech bite you and it sucks the fat out of you so basically you could go from like say 300 pounds and if your ideal weight is like 180 like you can leave at 180 like and everything is like you look like a totally new person and everybody's getting into it because like it fucking works right like these it's one of those like weird diets that actually works it's not like you know you have to eat nothing but uh tangerines for six months and shit like that so so everybody's doing it but dana gould is kind of like yeah i don't fucking think so like he i think his exact words are you're not putting that fucking thing on me they're not letting that thing fucking bite me um and eventually like he realizes literally he's like the only person that isn't fucking doing this and uh a woman that he had met while waiting uh, to, to, to get this thing done. And then he leaves, obviously he, he sees her like a day or so later and she looks like, uh, you know, she's hot, I guess you would say like, that's, I'm, that's what they were going for. Um, no, it's not a, that's not a fucking, that's not a fucking Like, I'm not talking about her specifically, but I'm saying like that character, that's what they were fucking going for. I'm guessing. Um, <clears throat> <coughs> she kind of convinces him to basically go and finally do it, but he's going to do it live on TV, uh, all coinciding with a solar eclipse. You can see where this is going, can't you? Um, <laughs> uh, so, so he's there, he's sitting in there talking to the guy. They're they, you know, they, the two idiot morning people <laughs> are talking, and then they go to their guy in the field, 
who he's talking about the, the eclipse and they ask him like, they ask him like, Oh, why does it do this? And he actually tells them like what happens. And they're like, I don't understand anything you said. Like, it's like all big goof. Um, and then the, like the solar eclipse starts to happen. And the dude's like, Oh, like he starts to get like the belly rumblings, right? Like he's a little, he's a little queasy and unhappy. Um, and then everybody else starts to get it a little bit too. And then you realize that these leeches left like left babies behind basically so these people are full of it and they're reacting to the solar eclipse and they start like bursting out of people a la aliens um and like they make these like weird leechy human hot they're fucking gross looking is what they are um and dana gould ends up being the hero uh and he walks off eating a candy bar and that's a fucking hero i can get behind (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like i could yeah like, i don't know i can't identify with anybody that like you know walks off with his shirt off and he's all like glistening and he walks off into the sunset and the explosion happens but if you want like a heavy set dude and like a pair of jeans and a t-shirt to just barely squeak by something and then walk off eating a candy bar i am your dude um <laughs> uh all right so that was the first one yet the final vignette of the season is an episode called By the Silver Water of Lake Champlain, based on a short story by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. Uh, it stars Sidney Weiss, Connor Jones, James Devotee, and Gina Shaw. Uh, and my tagline is, a girl finds the champ her father had searched for. And I did note that the asshole boyfriend drinks Harrow's, and the little brother, when they're inside, he's playing in the sink. And you find out after he goes outside that he was like floating around a paper boat. Uh, so I thought that that didn't, I probably not a nod to it, but it was like, who the fuck plays with paper boats anymore? Like it felt like one of those, like it could have been anything like, like obviously by saying the waters of Lake Champlain, I'm guessing most of you realize that we're talking about like they're, they're talking about Champy or the, the Loch Ness monster of lake champlain which as a child my godparents had a house on lake champlain and i spent the better part of like five days sitting outside on the coast of the 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 shore of the lake watching for this fucking monster and i never saw him but uh but i i I got to in this episode and it felt like you know that was still didn't make up for the five days that i sat there um the asshole boyfriend let's see yeah drinks harrow's paper boat in the sink all right, so uh, there is a little girl whose father swears that he saw Champy and then becomes obsessed with trying to find him again, and it ends up killing him. He's, he's out in a boat, and there's a storm or something along that line, and it sinks. He dies. Um, the mother is shacked up with this real piece of shit. Um, I feel like I'm not even doing justice to what an absurd piece of shit this man is, um, and I wish I could say I didn't know people like that. <laughs> like he said things and i was like fuck i've heard people say that uh so it, it made his his role as the uh the fucking villain of the episode amazingly easy because he was a ridiculously hateable um they get in an argument he throws the little girl's book out the girl is uh obviously she's carrying her father's notes and she's trying to find champy uh so she runs out of the house because he's a dick and down to the water, down through the woods, and she comes across the dead body of a, I don't even, you can't call it a Loch Ness monster. Like, I don't even know what to call it. A champy? 
I guess yeah, come on. Oh, uh, Champy. Uh, and the 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 the. This was my favorite part. There's a dude that lives in the area that's trying to like act cool. Like she's probably like, how old would you say she was? Like 12, 13, maybe 14. Right. So there's a, the boy is probably like 14 or 15 or something like that, but he's dressed like fucking Rambo, but not even Rambo. He's dressed like, he's dressed like American Ninja. Like you remember those fucking movies? Like he's got the he's got like the black tank top fucking shirt on that's cut, um, but it's fit like it's almost looks like a karate gi, and he's got like a red bandana on, and he carries like the Rambo utility knife, which had like you know the the matches and all the other shit. Um, and the asshole boyfriend like gets up and like threatens this kid basically like get out of here. I know what you want. Like he like puts the knife and like takes the knife. He's like, I'll fucking kill you. Like he's a real dick. Um, so the boyfriend or not the, the prospective boyfriend meets her, like follows her and they, they find it together and they're, they have their moment and they're talking and the little brother comes down. He's like, Oh fuck. Not literally, but like, and they say like, go back and get mom. You, she has to see this. And the, the kid, the kid, the, the boy, Jesus this is the dumbest thing. Like it's supposed to be like romantic, but at 15, I guess I could understand why you might think it would be. But as an adult, I'm like, you're a fucking monster. Like he carves, he carves the name of her and I think her father and a date into the dead body of this fucking Loch Ness monster. And then she takes a picture of it with, uh, with her Polaroid Insta camera. Uh, and then the boy, the, the asshole boyfriend shows up and proceeds to beat the piss out of the kid. Uh, Cause you know, he's real tough and, he shoves the little, he shoves the girl down. Uh, and then you hear like, he's, he's standing over him, right? He's going to fucking kill him. Like, here we go. He's going to get the money. He's telling him like, I'm going to take this money. This is going to be mine. Fuck your father and all that. Um, a bigger champy shows up above him, you know, like, like you do in a monster movie and it, and it bites him and swallows him. There's blood everywhere. And it's very satisfying. And then they kind of, kind of looks at the two kids and the kids are like, Oh shit. Uh, and then it nudges the the dead one, which you realize now is a baby, a baby champy, which they carved a name into. They carved it. It wasn't bad enough when you thought it was just champy. Now it's baby champy. So good job. Um, it drags it into the water. It, obviously now like there's no proof, right? Because the pictures have been destroyed. Uh, the mother, of course, shows up right last minute, right? Doesn't see anything. And they're like, she was, we were like, it was serious. And she's like, there's nothing here. And the kids were like, it's fucking serious. And she looks out over the mist and you see like a black kind of hump head and you hear like a roaring and then that's it. And then you, you get the vibe that she realizes like, okay, it was, it was true. Um, and that's how it closes. And that was the end of the season. What did you think as a whole of the season? Really good. I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I read that there's a second season, hopefully. Yes. Yep. It got, it got renewed. I want to say like right after the first episode dropped, like it got so many hits that they, they renewed it right away. So there is a second season coming. Uh, I hope it's more than six episodes. I'm hoping for like a 10. Uh, I don't know why, like, I guess just so I don't have to wait for, I don't have to wait quite as long for the next match, you know? Um, but I'm definitely very excited about it. I was very happy with it. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Tales from the Crypt, and for me personally, it it kind of filled that void. 
that I had because there's really nothing like Tales from the Crypt. Like it was kind of a, you know, it was horror and it was comedy and it was like kind of everything in between. And this, that's what this did. They did it. They managed to do it. Um, I just hope it doesn't become a, like a love boat kind of thing, but with, with directors like this episode by so-and-so and and then this episode by, and they make a big deal out. Like, I don't need that. Like, I just want it to be like good content. Like if the director is somebody I've never heard of, then that's awesome and good for them. And now I know who they are. But if it's somebody that's like already established, like I know what you can do. Like, I want this to be like kind of a place where like new people can come and like cut their teeth. You know? I'll do, I kind of want a, a Martin Scorsese biopic of like a serial killer smasher. Like what? Like a, like like a four hour drama movie? <laughs> oh, behind the mask, but Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> That would be funny. I would watch that. I'm going to peter out after about the three hour right. mark, though. So I haven't watched The Irishman yet. <laughs> I asked Jen if she wanted to watch it, too. And she's like, I guess I was like, this isn't an I guess kind of movie. Like, this is this is an, this is a fucking investment in time. Like, this is a this is a. This, yeah, this is a day like this is two movies in one. Took me all um, to watch it. <laughs> did it really? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I figure is going to happen with me too. Like it's going to be like noon on a Sunday. I'm like, all right, here we go. And then, you know, sometime on Tuesday when I'm done, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll report back to everybody <laughs> anyway. All right. Yeah. So we got off track there, but there, there you go. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad you dug it. Did you watch any of them back before we recorded or did you have them pretty fresh in your mind? I have pretty fresh in my mind. Yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to binge them because, I, I wanted to be able to like find little details mm. and Easter eggs and shit like that. I assumed they had to be there. So, right. um, but yeah, that's uh, I highly suggest everybody look into the free trial for shutter. Cause there's a lot of other shit on there to watch too. That's really good. Uh, Dead wax. I talked about that in the past um, and you can watch all of these fucking, you can watch all of these fucking creep show episodes really quick. And then there's Joe Bob stuff. So it's like win-win. Why don't you wrap us up? All right. All right, everybody. So uh, that was Creepshow. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope I didn't ramble too terribly. Uh, I tried not to, but it was a lot of info to get in like a short amount of time. Uh, sort of. Anyway. Um, uh, look, I hope you guys are everybody's doing well. Uh, you know, another week down. Hope everybody's all right. Life's treating you fair. Uh if you want to buy some merch from us, Christmas is coming. Uh, you want to go to Zazzle.com and look up how we saw it or how we saw it podcast. And you can get all kinds of stuff with our logo on it. Um, Mike, if the people wanted to find you on social media and they happen to be a thirst trap, where would they go to find you? <laughs> they would find me on I need a editor <laughs> at Medic 5 by 5 but again, though, that's only if you're that's only if you're a thirst trap. <laughs> Mike is exclusively following those. Uh, if you wanted to follow me on Twitter, you would go to a Thomas nineteen seventy eight. If you want to follow the podcast, you would go to saw underscore how. Which I just found out you can change that. I didn't <laughs> I didn't realize you could change that. Uh, so that's going to be changing in the, in the next uh, in the next week or so. Uh, so it'll make a little bit more sense. Uh, I don't know what the episode is going to be for next week. Last week, I I, I kind of jumped and was like, we're going to do this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know this time. So it'll be a surprise for all of us. Um, 
And uh, that's that. Mike, say goodnight to everybody. Good night, everybody. Later, y'all.